0: I, I love Jim and Angela Kubik. There was something that um, one, of the, one of the characteristics of leadership and, and pastoring that I feel is really, really important is to kind of be like Jesus if you're going to pastor. The Bible says in Mark 10:45, it says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Well, as I was at Cornerstone, I realized real quick that that was the heart of Jim and Angela Kubik. They serve, and they lead, and they lead out of that position. I love them. Plus, I just love hanging out with them because we laugh our stinking heads off. I'm going to tell you, we have more fun. If I told you about a trip to Birmingham, Alabama we had, you wouldn't believe it. It was just, yeah, they would. I'm glad tonight that uh, Christy, my wife, is with me. Most of the time, I have to travel alone because she's the mother of seven kids. Listen, we got one for every day of the week. <laughs> Their middle names are Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Th- that way, we keep up with them. But Christy's right here. She's beautiful, man, and um, she, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad she's with me, and uh, I can digress at this moment. But I need to get to the scripture, but because I was gonna say something like, now I don't, I'm I don't have to sleep alone tonight. Praise the Lord, because Christy's here. Hallelujah. <laughs> do do? Anyway, we're gonna to get to the scripture. Uh, she just walked out just now because our youngest, his name's Bryce, he just called us. We got him this phone. So we're in Houston, Texas. 2.3 million people in the city, 4.1 million people in the county. 7.3 for 7.2 million people in the surrounding suburbs. That ain't no joke. That's for real. And they drive like it's a NASCAR race. Y'all love it. <laughs> Tennesseans will love it in Houston because they drive like NASCAR, baby. It's going crazy. But we got him this GPS, I mean this this watch, you know, his GPS in case when he's out playing, if we we can track him if something were to happen. And we're nervous in that big city. Christy was. And I thought it was cool to buy the watch. And so now that he knows how to work that watch, that joker calls all the time. And he's like, hey, what y'all doing? What do you do? And I just asked her, I said, what do you want? And she said, nah. you know. So I'm glad to be here. I'm blessed to be an overseer of this congregation. I'm thankful for the report uh, over the last year with uh, COVID and all the stuff that's tested the church and tested the body of Christ, the report of, uh, of what God's doing here in Lebanon, and I'm thankful for that. I want to speak to you tonight on the topic of between never and always. Between never and always. This is a, a message that has birthed out of, an, uh, out of a personal journey. And um, I have a mentor, some of you may know Edsel Charles, he's out of uh, out of this area, he's out of Brentwood and, and has a company I work for him. Last August, as I was sitting with him, we were talking and all of a sudden Edsel will just stop and, and Christy and I are submitted to his authority. He's a personal disciple of ours, he's also uh, a mentor of ours and he has full authority to correct, direct, instruct, stop, tell us no, or tell us yes. And... Um, I was with him last August and whenever I was with him as we were just talking we were talking about different things he just stopped and he said Dave I want you to do an exhaustive study over the next few months on the word wait w a i t in scripture the word wait So this message comes out of some of the things I've learned from that study over the last 7 8 months and on the words, wait, waiting, waited. Now, if, if you know me, most of you don't know me very well and haven't hung out with me, but Christy's going to validate this really, really well. I, I would like to say that I don't like to wait. I, I would like to honestly confess to you that I hate to wait. I don't like to wait in line, I don't like to wait in the drive-through, I don't like to wait on people, I don't like to wait for anything. I guess that's why Edsel, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, said, Dave, I want you to do a study on the word wait. Christy will tell you this morning, whenever we went to the airport and we went to the spot where we park our car, we got in there and there was nobody that we were waiting on. He picks us up. We come in there early. He picks us up and then all of a sudden he decides to go down the line with that van and get behind a beautiful BMW, and the passenger door opens, and nobody gets out, and doesn't get out, and doesn't get out, and because I'm le- I'm good at learning scripture, I became impatient. Then he begins to go around the lot. And he said, well, I'll just come back. And so he takes off, and he goes around the lot, all the way back, all the way to the very back of the line, and then comes back to get this guy we were waiting on after we put him I told Christy, I said, I hate this place right here. I hate parking here. This is not like the spot parking in Nashville where they just get you over and get you back. These guys drive all over the place, and I know I'm preaching this message. The reason why I'm saying this to you is there's there's a wrestling that goes between the flesh and the spirit. There, there's, even when you know truth, it can be difficult because of flesh. So this morning I was sitting there, I was like, Christy would tell you, man, I was just like, put the tip up. I ain't tipping him. Dadgummit, he's running all around. I did, didn't I? I did. I gave it to her. I said, here, I ain't tipping him. Dadgummit, I got to get on this plane and get going. We got to get to Nashville, you know, and that kind of thing. And then I, I, I'm getting off the stinking shuttle and get convicted, and I said, and I wasn't ugly. I just said, give me the tip, and she's just smart. She's smart. She's beautiful, but she's a smart aleck. I'm not kidding. Listen, she looked at me like, hmm. So I told you, I tipped the guy. Because of this process, um, I've learned in Houston, Texas, that the worst line you can get in in Houston is Whataburger. Don't do it. It'll have, a, it'll have you have a butter knife out trying to cut your wrist. I mean, you're like, oh, God, I take that. But Edsel gave me this instruction, and I've learned some things I want to share with you tonight uh, from this study. Now, I may have I completely destroyed because I know that Launch Point Church under Pastor Jim is much more holy than this. And don't struggle with um, the the application of Scripture between flesh and spirit. (laughs) Although we've walked together and we... we, uh... I want to talk to you about the word never. Never. I'll never find a job. I'm never going to get my food. He's never going to get me to the gate. This situation will never get better. I'll never get married. I'll never have the child I long for. He'll never come home to me. We will never get there. They will never finish. Have you ever done that? Have you ever built a house or waited for him to, you know, um, what is the road that goes from, Gala, from from here to Gallatin? What is that highway? My God. Is it still under construction? Never. Right? I've driven that thing, man. I've driven it as a pastor. I've driven it as a salesman. I'm going to tell you, never, 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 never. Never 109. That's the motto, never 109. I will never work with inner city kids. I will never go there. I will never do that. See, the word never, it's a lie that originates in our sinful nature. And it insists on putting a decisive end to hope. The word never exists and originates in sinful nature. And it insists on putting an end to hope. Don't bother to dream. You know it'll never happen and you don't deserve it if it does. Stop wishing And stop believing for what will never be. And so we continue with the word never to drive nails in the coffin of our dearest desires and our dearest longings. And the deepest dreams that we have. The Lord will never answer my prayer. I don't understand why they always get an answer. But I never get an answer. It's also a word That makes liars of us all. Has anybody in the room ever said, I will never do that? Come on. Anybody? Woo, come on, Shaddai. We're going to get such this. This is confession time, right? I will never. Only at some point of waiting, some point in the presence of God that Caleb just led us in that last song, which we're going to sing at the end of this service changes that. I will never. In 1994, um, or about 1992, I had worked for my dad from 1984 to 1988. In 1988, I left my dad in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I went to West Texas, and I worked out in Lubbock, Texas, and, and my dad's church went from a, a upper middle class Caucasian congregation to an inner city ministry, and whenever I would visit back there, there I would go to the apartments with my brother, and and the Bloods and the Crips would be in different apartments, and they would, whenever they came in there, and uh, they would ask my brother this. I walked in the apartment with them, and I, I, I walked in those apartments, and they would ask my brother this, is the man of God in the apartment complex talking about my dad? And my brother would say, yeah, my dad's here. And they said, honk three times when you're leaving so that we'll know the man of God has left and we can come back out. And my statement then was, I will never do that, man. I ain't got no burden for none of that. I will never. See, this is the challenge of waiting on God. Waiting on God in this word wait that Edsel charged me with, and I began to read scripture and spend time trying to sit still and wait on God. It's the ability to keep hoping when the nevers of life bombard you. When the minutes, hours, days, years tick away without any answers to your most passionate pleas to the Lord, waiting is the thing that keeps the hope alive in the middle of the never. It's the faith to hang on. On the long road, when human reason tells us to give up, and you get in the presence of God and wait on Him, hope still comes alive, even though you're in a situation where your carnal nature and even your voice says it will never be. If the nevers of life are discouraging you, if you waited for the Lord to fulfill his promises to you, if you wonder why God has allowed such a lengthy delay in the answering the deepest cries of your heart, if that's where you are, then tonight, this few minutes of this message is for you. Most of the time, we don't tell people. We'll say out loud our nevers, but we really don't say, Inside, how des- desirous we want, yet we feel so hopeless. If you look and find, the, if you look and the meaning of hope and are found in these times of waiting on the Lord, Isaiah 64, verse 4 says this. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Not only that, but the Father has a plan for every person in this room. Purposes that are perfectly suited for you, that will give ultimate meaning to your life. However, as Pastor Jim said earlier in the, in the worship time, God also has a very specific schedule that requires waiting. I don't know about you, but I have. I've, I've ordered God around. You know, maybe I'm the only one. I kind of feel that kind of le- there, there left the room when I said that. Oh, yeah, I've told him it, now it's time. There have been people I've encountered, I said, God, just kill them. I'll kill them until God tell you they died. I mean, I'm more than happy to take them out for you. Kind of like the people that stole me and Christie's travel trailer just last fall. Edsel told me about doing the study on waiting. And whenever I was waiting in the presence of the Lord, the Lord gave me a burden for inner city kids in Houston who have never fished never canoed, and never seen the ocean. And I rebuked the Lord on that. When he burdened me with it. I said, God, that's not your will. Because I already said in 1992, I will never. And the Lord messed me over about it. Well, then, that's in August. Then, then uh, first of October, me and Christy had bought a travel trailer earlier last year, and we were having time, been out in the thing four times, and them jokers came on the lot that is locked. I'm talking about lockdown. Them jokers came in and stole our travel trailer. In the middle of the night before Sunday, I was over in Louisiana looking at hurricane relief, and I was coming back home, and somebody called me about that, and I'm going to tell you right now, so help me goodness. I drove around with my Glock 40 in the armrest of my truck, and I was trying to fight them. I wasn't going to kill them. I was just going to do something like simple, like encourage them in the Lord, like shoot their kneecaps out or something, just something simple like that. And then, I'm not kidding, man, five days later, she and I are having having breakfast at Cracker Barrel across town, not even close to where these jokers were. While we are in Cracker Barrel, they knocked the back window out of my brand new truck, stole my backpack. Now, the Lord had, had dropped something in my heart about a camp that we had bought last year that kind of closed down, the Lord dropped in my heart, about that camp it has a lake on it, stocked with fish, and it closed down since Harvey, and I, I felt like the Lord would have us to... Try to reach kids in the apartment complex of Houston that never fished, never canoed, never seen the ocean. We're 13 minutes from the ocean there. And, and so help me goodness. I sat on the tailgate of my truck and I just look, she'll tell you. I looked right there and said, Houston, go to hell as far as I'm concerned. I'm done with these jokers. And she looked at me and said, You know that's not the will of God. I re-. She rebuked me. Because we said, I, I will never. It's easy to revert back to your flesh, but when you wait on the Lord, and then I get away after that happened, I get away and I start th- thinking and praying about it, and the Lord gives me a burden to give for that deal because of waiting on the Lord. You see, waiting in the presence of God starts meddling with your nevers. If you, don't, if you want to keep saying never, don't get in the presence of God. But it's Caleb just saying a while ago, when you get in the presence of God, your never will begin to move to always. Because between never, I will never, and the phrase God always does, is the season of actively waiting on the Lord. The reason why we get impatient, we quit, is because we stop praying. Chris, She's here tonight, and she can validate everything I'm telling you. When I'm in the presence of the Lord, my faith is strong. Whenever I hadn't prayed for a few days, I'm saying never kill them and tell God they died, and I'm moving on. You can get your tongue out of my mouth. I'm kissing you goodbye, that kind of thing. Flesh begins to speak, but when you get alone in the presence of God, right now, man, when you close into the presence of God, that never begins to change to a burden for something. Dreams are birth and waiting. They're not birth and activity. They're birth and waiting. If you don't want to be called to obedience, and if you don't ever want to be asked to do anything outside your parameters of control, don't ever wait on God. But if you ever wait on Him, He's going to push you to a different place. He's going to begin to provoke your nevers. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, Indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 and verse 8 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Those things are birthed and they come alive in waiting. So whatever it is you yearn for, whatever, no matter how long you have to wait, no matter how long you've waited, you can trust the Father to lead you. And you can know for absolute certain, and waiting teaches this, that he has your very best interest in mind. It's in the waiting, man. Between never and always is waiting. Wait. Waited. God is working on behalf, even though his plans take time. My prayer for me, and it also is for you that, that we will learn to anticipate his answer no matter how long it takes. You see, waiting is not sitting, laying back in a recliner and saying, Oh, Lord, I'm waiting on you. Waiting is an active, if you look at the word all through Scripture, it is an active process of anticipation that you wait faithfully, patiently, and I don't like this word, joyfully. I can be just like the Pharisees. If I'm going to fast and wait, I'm going to make, every, make sure everybody around me knows it. Well, what, what you, what's, what's going on in your life? Well, I'm, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm having to fast to do it. No, that's not the definition. As I've studied this word, it's an active word. It's one that provokes us and it provokes our flesh. When you've invested time, energy, prayer, confidence into waiting on Him, and if you're here tonight and you're waiting on something and you've been praying for something, and you're saying, I don't know if the Lord, He's never gonna answer me, could I say today that when you've been waiting, anticipating, hoping, and believing, please don't stop now when you've invested so much time in waiting. Wait. Be assured that God's actively, powerfully, wisely, loving, lovingly working and arranging the circumstances of your life, not for your purpose, but for His purpose. See, when we read Romans eight twenty-eight, and we know that God works all things together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to a purpose. We interpret that through the filter of our mind of what's good for us. Actually, in that scripture, waiting will teach you that you will depend and submit to the Lord and say, I want you to work it out for good for your purpose, not mine. He works all things to good for those who are called according to his, not theirs, his purpose. Waiting is the honing and the training and the developing of that. So I would say to you, don't. Never give up. You know, I made a statement in 2006 when I left Dixon, T- Tennessee. It was this statement I will never preach again. Now, you can see right up here that our nevers will make liars of us. I'll never forget whenever I was invited back to that pulpit to preach back in it. I asked Pastor Moy. I said, Pastor, do you think that's something that I should do? He said, Absolutely. And I'm coming, and I, he was there. I'm coming, and I'm bringing some guys, and I'm going to sit there and laugh and watch a guy who said he'll never preach again, stand in the pulpit again. I'll never preach in that pulpit. I'm just coming to watch it. I said, you are you are terrible. He said, I know it, but it's fun when God, when God changes nevers to his purpose. And he did come, and they sat there, and I stood in that pulpit, and I said, God, I repent that I ever said one time I would never, I will do whatever you call me to do and go where you want me to go. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ears heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. If you wait for Him with expectant endurance, waiting, waiting is expectant endurance. Waiting is expectant endurance. Directing your focus to Him, purposely seeking His will through Scripture and prayer, actively claiming His promise, courageously facing adversity with faith, you and I both, Chrissy and I are seeing it right now, you'll see the fruit of your obedience. So, so we this camp, we're down there right now, we're rehabbing this camp. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to raise money and all kinds of stuff to, for this camp. We're rehabbing the camp that died in heart. it started in 1960 as a camp. 2006, Foursquare bought it. For 10 years they ran camps So The guy told me they had 1,963 kids saved at that camp. In those years, they had it. I said, well, how many do you think they had saved the 46 years prior? He said, thousands. I said, do you think it would hit 10,000? He said, I think for sure they've had 10,000 there. In 2017, it died, and then the Lord gave a burden about kids coming there. Christy and I are working on it right now, man. I, I, I went to camp, but I said I'll never do a camp. Oh, God. When I think about it in the flesh, I just get sick. When I pray about it, Chris will tell you, when I pray about it and go down there, 17 acres, man, we're rehabbing it thing, is, it's an armpit. The other day they were they were pulling some stuff out of this old building and about 13 rats ran out of the couch. I ain't lying. I know I dropped whatever I was dropping to. I mean I was a but whenever I go down there and I and I just set Looking at that lake and the the sun there down in Houston, the Lord prompts a burden. Do you know burdens change? God gives a burden here and then seasons it, it'll lift. But for whatever season, God brings burdens on us to see if we're willing to be obedient. I don't like it, but he does it. And I'm just talking to you like Old Testament people, New Testament. They didn't struggle. So here's why you're waiting. And while you're seeking what God's plan is, and whenever you're, tonight if you're here and you've been saying something, it, it, it'll never, I won't ever, it's not going to never. The, the, this is never going to change. I don't believe it ever changed. Could I, could I ask you And I came tonight to provoke you to continue to wait on the Lord. Would you, would you do four things? Would you humble yourself before the Lord and focus on Him rather than on your desire? Humble yourself before the Lord. Focus on Him rather than your personal desire. It will mess you over. If I want to stay mad, I don't do it. If I want to be right with the Lord and be obedient to the Lord, I humble myself before the Lord. Focus on Him rather than on my personal desire and things change. Number two, remain obedient to God's will. Has anybody ever sang the song, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord? Or mountains, or plain. Anybody ever? Do you know that song? Praise God. That means y'all hadn't been in church a long, long time, and that's a good testimony for here. Sing that. Remain obedient to God's will. Number three, have faith that the Lord will do as He's promised. How many of you believe the Lord will do as He promised? How many of you wish you'd do it right now? Come on, man, sure. That's in the waiting. And then you have to be courageous. Be courageous. We began this message tonight with the words of nevers. I I pray that tonight, whenever you're leaving here, that you have been encouraged and discovered and believe God that you're going to wait on Him and remove the word never to wait So that after waiting, you'll say God always comes through. I've served the Lord for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. But God always, God always. How many of you served the Lord longer than 20 or 30 years? Would you lift your hand? Can I ask you? Have you seen those moments when you didn't think the Lord was ever going to come through, but he always did, even though it took a long time? Some of us are still waiting, though we've been on the earth. I'm 58 years old. There are things I believe for anyway, for i believe for for a long time. But Edsel, as he put me on this study, and with the encouragement of Christie, and as we've walked together, that you learn to wait. And you can begin to list the things. You can hope even though you have nevers that bombard you. You can believe and you can have trust with the Lord. Whenever you get alone with the Lord and wait on the Lord, things begin to change. Psalm 38 verse 5 says, I waited patiently on the Lord. I waited patiently on the Lord. Whenever you hear those words, wait and waited, it's not going to sleep waiting It's actively, expectantly, enduring, waiting on what God's going to do, how he's going to come through. So what happens is, is we say, God never answers my prayer. God's never with me. I don't, I never feel his presence. They're singing those songs, and I never feel his presence. And when you spend time in the presence of the Lord and wait on the Lord, all of a sudden you begin to say, God is always with me. I can tell you right now, when you withdraw, If you close yourself in and you just begin to worship the Lord and begin to pray and begin to seek Him and call out to Him, and whether you sing or you have worship music or whatever, all of a sudden, fear is replaced with faith. Fear is replaced with faith. Uncertainty is replaced with courage. It will happen because in the presence of God, there's courage, there's faith, there's strength. And you begin to say, he will always love you. He always forgives me. He always, do you know that every time you confess your sin to the Lord, he He forgives you? You know why we don't think he does? It's because we don't forgive ourselves and move on about it. He always hears you. God always hears you. He always comforts us. He always provides for us. He always remembers us. He always works on our behalf. He always leads you with love, power, wisdom. He will always bless your obedience to him. He will always come through for you. He will always answer your prayers. And when you wait on the Lord, you can know for certain that the best is yet to come. Always. Has anybody ever had a surprise of Jesus? Like, like you give something, I'm not talking about money necessarily, but you give time or, or you give financially or the Lord drops something in your heart and you give and, and all of a sudden something comes your way and you're like, that's something I've been waiting for because God always comes through. Christy and I, whenever we had that travel trailer stolen, we've, we've had a couple of surprises. I want her to come and tell about a girl that before, before I'm done, about how fear can grip you about how you're going to see something change or something done, like in the camping situation and, and our travel trailer. So we decide, decided, well, if a travel trailer got stolen, if we're going to get another one since we're going to live down at the camp, then why don't we just dream big and go see what, we'd re- what we would add? Well, we figured out real quick that a bunk bed with a curtain for your kids, it would be better if you had a door and could shut them jokers in there. Can anybody say man? Anybody ever done travel trade? I'm, I promise you, just shut the door so they can't come out. Well, Christy had this little edge for her little, in the kitchen, had this little corner thing out there. And she, she wanted a, like an island, like one of those big long island things. So we went and looked at that, and, man, we saw something. They like, man, that's good. I only wanted one thing. I want one of them little fireplaces under the TV. You ever seen one of them fireplaces in the travel? Man, them things are expensive. You put a fireplace in, jokers get expensive. And so that's what we believe the Lord for. And so we were looking, we'd kind of come because we have to have one down there this summer. We're running like 10 weeks. She's running 10 weeks of camp. I'm going to be waiting on the Lord. So, <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, so so no joke, we just resolved that. We knew we were going to have to do that. We, we sold our house, moved an apartment so we could afford to do that. And so... Well, I got a call from one guy in the church down there, and he said, Hey, Dave, uh, James has a travel trailer for sale. You might want to check it out. So I looked at it. It was, everything we th- we, I mean, it was everything we'd looked at. He'd had it for three months, put 150 miles on it. He hadn't even been in it but twice. spent two nights in it. I'm not kidding. And I called him, and I said, What do you want for it? He wanted exactly the balance of what the one we had stolen that the insurance paid off, the balance of the one we had stolen. That was tens of thousands of dollars cheaper than this one. And we pulled that joker home three weeks ago. And I'm going to tell you, I parked everything under the sun in front of it out there on that lot. I have so helped me God. We put ten cameras around our building. We put burglar alarm on the gate. I mean, we've done everything we can. And still had somebody come through another gate that a cell tower has and stole somebody's 20-foot king. But they didn't get my travel. You know why? Because I had her forerunner parked. Right in front on the tongue of that thing, they can't get it. They're gonna take them both. <laughs> I'm saying that to you. We were so distraught when that happened because it was something we had saved for. And yet we we look now. I mean, it's, I start a minute. I wasn't really a camper. She always been. She's from Alaska. She did that junk. I didn't do that junk. My thought of my, my idea of camping was like Motel Six, you know, something Quality Inn or something. I mean, anyway. So. So we waited, and we did. We trusted Lord. We said, "Lord, if that's what you want to do, then we'll just trust." Them jokers stole my eleven-inch iPad Pro. I got me a twelve-point-nine-inch iPad Pro now, so I can see it. <laughs> In the as we close, just one other testimony: The God will move from your nevers to always when you wait on Him. When you wait. Christy, I'm, come on, Christy. Can can we use this mic, Jim? Just a quick testimony. We we didn't know who, huh? We didn't know how we were going to do it. But this camp that we that we bought that we're we're working on. That as I wait on the Lord, I'm excited about it. If I stop waiting on the Lord, uh, I'm I'm just kidding, Christy. Uh, but we found a director, and I want her to tell you the story about this.
1: There was a. Uh... A young lady, well, we would been praying because we were like, you know, we're not directors. <laughs> Lord's given us a burden, but where do we even start? And uh, by accident, I ran into this young lady who begins to tell me her testimony. And um, she was, uh, tw- this was 12 years ago. And um, she went to the camp that when it was going, the camp that we bought. But when it was going, her parents took her kicking and screaming when she was 15. With the, as a last resort, they threw their hands up with her. She was a cutter. She was dabbling in things, other things she shouldn't be in. And her parents didn't know what else to do, but they'd heard about that camp. And they, they took her. And it was the first week of camp for that summer. And she went on a Monday, not happy. And then on Friday, she called her parents and said, I'm, um, I've gotten saved. And um, I'm staying this summer. And they go, no, 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 you can, okay, you can stay for the week. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm going to stay for the whole summer, and I'm going to stay as a junior counselor because I want to see what God's going to do with me. And so she stayed that whole summer. She was 15. So for the next three years, she went every summer as a junior counselor. She didn't go to get paid. She began to be mentored by the, by the director that was actually there and began to really um, experience God for herself, what he was doing in her, and she began to have a burden for, for, for camp, and for camps. When she was 18 and graduated, she became the assistant director. And she said, two years later, I was really mad because the lady who had, who had um, been mentoring me um, decided to leave, and so she was really upset and distraught, and she said, the Lord placed me as director, And she said that when Harvey hit, my dream started to fade because then the camp had, um, I was going to say drowned, but (laughs) it is kind of the answer, (laughs) drowned, but it flooded. But somebody in Arkansas had heard about her and called her, and she went and was a director there. Then two years later after that, across international seas, someone in Spain had heard of her, called her, and she was... um, coaching and, and um, creating camps for churches in Spain as a director I ran into her you can't tell me that's by accident she moved back this last year to live with her parents and she said honestly I came back and she said the Lord would not leave her alone about continuing camp because now she's 28 and she was like I've got to go back to school I've got to do something different I can't do camp my whole life and she was, so she's been in this battle But the Lord kept saying, just wait, just wait. So she said, I moved back in my parents, and I've just been working a part-time job, and then she meets me. And I said, so what do you want to do with your life? She said, I want to be. My dream, since I was 18, was to come back into this camp and to be the director and to see God do things in other kids that he did in me. And that young lady is now our new director. She starts in a few weeks. And she is on fire for God. And that just goes to tell you that, yes, that just goes to tell you that every little seed that we plant, whether it's in a child or an adult, that when God takes a hold of that seed and begins to have people like us that begin to water that seed, how things can come back full circle. But she had to wait a long time before it came full circle, but she never decided to fade and run off. She stayed consistent, and the Lord always opened those doors. So we're real excited to have her, and we're excited about what God is doing. We figure she's the first of many, so we're excited, and we thank you for your prayers and this new adventure for us because this is certainly out of our box, let me tell you. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing, but God does.
0: <laughs> the reason I had Christy say that and the reason this message is dear, uh, to, to my heart is that we went to Houston for one other for other reasons and for now well, for whatever reason he's got us trying to reach kids and um, waiting on the Lord will change your desire to his plan Learning to wait on the Lord will correct your GPS. You know how how a GPS will auto-correct? Waiting on the Lord auto-corrects our spirit that though we think we're going for one thing, something else happens and gives a burden for this. And I believe the Lord is setting us up even in that because He'll, He'll do something else. What I've learned is in waiting, you just say. Have your way in me, Lord, and I'll obey you no matter what you say. I've come tonight to say to you that waiting is the season between never and always. And if you're in the season of nevers, if you'll wait on the Lord, you'll come to the other side and realize he always, he always.